0: I got my first pair of eyeglasses when I was three years old. They were big and round with these thick brown frames that were designed to withstand the life of a little boy. And for years they were my constant companion, taken off only for sleeping or swimming. I was really kind of the picture of a little bookworm with my heavy glasses and my shock of messy hair. I was an active kid, and of course there was always something smudging up those lenses, which my mother never failed to notice. She would be dropping me off for a music lesson, or we'd walk into the grocery store, and she would catch sight of my glasses. They'd be whisked off my face, or sometimes left there, while in one swift movement she'd retrieve a tissue from her purse, add a little bit of spit, and start scrubbing at the lenses. They'd have been dotted with fingerprints or dried apple juice spots or maybe a little bit of my lunch. And thanks to the surprisingly effective cleaning properties of mom spit, I could suddenly see again. I squirmed and I groaned and I complained while this process was taking place. But when it was over, the world was always clearer and brighter, restored to a vividness I had forgotten existed, with all the gunk stuck to the glass. For a long time now, that's basically how I've thought about Ash Wednesday. It's this day when God looks down at the mess that's accumulated on our glasses and sets to cleaning them up. They get clouded with all sorts of things—our pretensions, our pride, our scattered desires, our off-kilter priorities—until it's a wonder we can see much of anything at all. And on Ash Wednesday, God gets out the tissues. Well, look at all of this you've gotten into, she says, and she starts wiping it away with one difficult reminder after another. Remember that you stand in need of mercy. Remember that life is fragile and short. Remember that you, like everyone else, are dust, and to dust you shall return. I've thought of Ash Wednesday in that way for a long time as this moment for god to lovingly clear away the fog of illusions that we normally carry around and to help us see the truth once again In most years i think there is a fairly consistent array of illusions and delusions that are there for god to deal with but this is not most years and really all those things that ash wednesday seeks to remind us of are on display all around us right now. You don't need our prayers tonight to tell you that life is fragile. It is written all over this past year in the grief for lives lost and the uncertainty over the path ahead. You don't need the scripture readings to tell you that our world is in need of repentance. It is written for all to see in the unequal distribution of resources to battle this pandemic in the ease with which the wealthy find their way to vaccines and the profound difficulty faced by those who are poor. You don't need ashes to tell you that we all come from dust and we will all return there once again. The reminders are everywhere we look right now. It's a different sort of Ash Wednesday and a different sort of Lent, that's for sure. But it is still a day for our vision to be cleared. For the truth to come into focus. And in this particular year, I think Paul can help us. You can't hear that passage that we heard read from 2 Corinthians tonight and come away with any illusions that life was easy for Paul and his companions. In fact, it sounds like they had an awfully hard go. As servants of God, he says, we have commended ourselves in every way. Through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Now Paul's not beyond the occasional hyperbole, but read a little bit from the book of Acts. And it seems like Paul isn't exaggerating much here. His work of sharing the gospel got him into all sorts of troubles and brought him face to face with all manner of danger and uncertainty. In our passage tonight, he's trying to convince the Corinthians to be reconciled to God, to embrace the gift of life offered to them. And part of me thinks he might be working against himself just a little bit here. I mean, does this reconciled life that he is describing with all its calamities and imprisonments and sleepless nights sound very appealing to you? Maybe he should have stuck with just reminding them of the patience and kindness and genuine love that they'd seen in him, but he doesn't stop there. Our reading ends with this incredible sentence. We are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well-known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. From God. In the poetry of that sentence, Paul gives us two small words that I think we desperately need right now. And yet. With those words, Paul is able to do two vitally important things. To begin with, he's able to look a hard reality in the face and see it for what it is. Sorrow, punishment, need, death. Paul and his companions were up against all of these things in their lives. Faith in Christ did not make him immune to these sorts of experiences, and he doesn't try to fool the Corinthians into thinking it will shield them either. Don't imagine that being reconciled to God will make the road ahead smooth or predictable or easy. Paul is abundantly clear about that. And yet, that's not the whole story. Because Paul says that within those very real experiences of desolation for him, there was another reality as well. Dying and yet alive. Punished and yet not killed. Sorrowful and yet rejoicing. Poor and yet making many rich. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul is not being optimistic here just trying to see the glass half full when it's clearly almost empty. No, he is speaking about a whole new reality at work in his life. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. He wrote just a few verses earlier in this letter. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. For Paul, life in Christ changes everything. Yes, we still experience the grief and challenge and uncertainty of life. And yet, that is not the whole story because Christ is at work in us. And yet, those are two words that we need right now, both to allow us to speak the truth of this profoundly difficult time and to acknowledge that there is more to the story as well, even if we can't always see it. We are grieving. And yet, we are not alone. We are isolated. And yet, we are knit together in the love of God. We are struggling. And yet, we are not without hope. We are dust. And yet, we are graced with the breath of life. We are fragile. And yet, we are held in God's own hands. We're not just being optimistic here. We're not trying to see some elusive silver lining in this profoundly cloudy, cloudy time. We are speaking the deep truth of our faith that no matter how difficult life can be, we are in Christ, joined to him, forever enveloped in his grace. And nothing can change that. Nothing. God bends down and wipes our lenses clean tonight reminding us that even in the midst of a pandemic, on an Ash Wednesday without ashes at home, this truth holds. The challenge is real, and yet God is still at work. We are dust and shall return there. And yet, in Christ, the song of love goes on. Amen.